I I uh what? Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Listeners to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am one of your hosts, Wendy, and I am joined in person by my co-host, <laughs> Melissa. And we are here once again in Melissa's basement with a fine bottle of wine, and we want to talk to you about movies. Melissa, what are we drinking? We are drinking a Primitivo by Cantel or Cantelli, C-A-N-T-E-L-E. However you Can- pronounce Cantele. it. Cantele. I don't know. And there's other text on here. Salento Indicazione Geografica Tipica. Now I want pasta. 2012. And it's a, it's a primitivo, so it's it's very fruity. Mm. It's, it's uh, plummy. It's plummy, meaty. Yum, 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 it's yum, very yum. tasty. I like it. No, yeah. It's mm. drinkable. It's got a very smooth... Like rolls over the tongue mm-hmm. going on. It's very drinkable. It's got got a little bit of legs. Got yeah. a little bit of legs. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to do what the things that Dawn like told us about, but I'm not really succeeding. Well, it, uh, the thing I remember is breathing through the mouth. And oh yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Smelling through the mouth. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> trying to do that loud enough to. <laughs> Darth Vader. Darth Vader at a wine tasting. (laughs) 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 I snort though. That's the problem. (laughs) I want that. I want. I want a sketch sometime of Darth Vader at a wine tasting. That will make me laugh. Um, your glass is steaming up. What are you doing? Well, it's cold down here. It's why I've got a blanket wrapped around me. <laughs> Seriously, my blanket. I there is steam on here. Look there at that. is. Yeah. There is. All right. All right. The only so, solution is to drink the wine. Indeed. Indeed. And it is a delicious wine to drink. Yes. All right. So, Melissa, what is our topic for this evening? Uh, since we're starting late, we're going to softball this one. We're going to talk about Minnesota movies. Yes. Minnesota movies. Movies that were made in Minnesota and or movies that were filmed here. This seems or- like a good topic before I leave. <laughs> for a different state. Minnesota. True story. When I moved up here from Kansas City, Missouri... And I had lived up here for maybe like six, eight months. And I called my twin brother and he started laughing at me because I had picked up the Minnesota accent. <laughs> because That tends to be something I do when I first move to a place. I will assimilate hard and then gradually step back mm-hmm. to to my normal. But I'm like, oh, I want to fit in. I will do everything you do. Minnesota. <laughs> going boating. A yeah, you bet. But I never did learn uh, uh, Lena and Oli jokes. Never yeah, th- those are kind of an up north 
sort yeah. of thing, you know. Yeah, up north. Up, up, up north, the, up, up on the uh, north shore by Duluth. <laughs> He's fleeing the interview. He's fleeing the interview. Yeah, you get that really heavy Scandinavian accent up north. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of which, you know, we could start right off with the Coen brothers. Yeah, since I referenced them. Yeah, because uh, Coen brothers are from here. They're from, like... Uh, They're from Hopkins or, or uh, Hastings or... Plymouth? All I know, Plymouth. My, my ex... He's near... They come from nearby. An old roommate of mine, Jill Bigelow, her family owned... Uh, in the early days of home video, they owned a video store, mm-hmm. um, Bigelow Video or something like that. And the, she told me that the Cohen brothers used to come in and rent movies from yeah. them because they lived in the area. And so it was somewhere like in St. Louis Park. St. Louis Park. You're right. You're right. Because St. Jewish Park was... St. <laughs> Louis Park is like five miles south of here. Yeah. Just about. Yeah. And but- it really is a Jewish Enclave. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. But you know, it's. I mean, no, no slurs intended, but there really is a large Jewish community that yeah. lives in St. Louis Park. People it's, of Jewish descent. There we go. That's a better way of saying it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out how to say it. Hebrew didn't sound right. No. Well, Hebrew's a language. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. yeah. Mm. Anyway, I'm tired and distracted. But the point is, they're from the Twin Cities area. Mm hmm. And apparently they like to make fun of that, as referenced in Fargo. <laughs> Although Fargo, man, they do hit the nail on the head there. It Not the accent, though. Mm-mm. I mean, you can hear a bit of the accent, as you probably can in my voice, because I've lived in Twin Cities pretty much all my life. But um, it's not that heavy, heavy, yeah. up north you know, you know, you betcha, you betcha. That, oh goodness, yeah, oh my, a uh, dia, dia, rural Minnesotan accent, you know, yeah, and and way of speech, and uh, even though the the film was made in the Twin Cities, they, you know, kind of brought that rural in there, yeah. Now, to be honest, when you go outside the Twin Cities like 25 miles, you do hit that land oh, <laughs> pretty <yeah>. quickly. <laughs> Especially if you head in the northern quadrants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that is actually true. Because that's where all the Scandahoovians settled. Yeah, the Scandahoovians <laughs> with, the, with the O's. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Flee in the interview. Flee in the interview. What's fun about watching that when you live in the Twin Cities, there's that one shot where they are driving into downtown Minneapolis and mm-hmm. they're driving from a direction. They're like coming from somewhere and you're like, that's totally wrong. That's a Southern view of downtown. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're, you're driving in the wrong way on I-94. That's not right. That's not right. No. <laughs> and there, and there, there, there are so many things wrong like that. If you know what to look for, like um, the opening scene, that, which says it's set in Fargo, North Dakota, um, is very obviously, is it King of Clubs or, uh, it, it's a very distinctive building in Minneapolis. It's a very old bar with playing cards painted on the side. Yep. It's like, no, yeah. that's not Fargo. Yeah. That is so Minneapolis. By the way, those of you who know me well, or have heard the story in person or on the podcast, the, um, we are one dwarf away from a Lynch movie that happened in Fargo. <laughs> FYI. Fargo is a strange place. Fargo is a very weird little place, man. But anyway, going back to the movie Fargo, um, if you haven't seen the film Fargo, it's really great. Oh, yeah. I love, love that movie. And in, it might be my favorite Coen Brothers. I'm not entirely um, sure. There are so many things to love about the Coen Brothers. My favorite Coen Brothers is probably more like Hudsucker Proxy or Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona has a 
a, a very great place in my heart. I, but, I like their more lighter comedies yeah. generally. I do also love Miller's Crossing. Yeah. Um, I like Fargo a lot. Yeah. There's a lot to like about it. William H. Macy. William H. Macy <laughs> is brilliant in the movie. And, and of course, Peter Stramari's in it. And, and Steve Buscemi. I need Ungwent. Ungwent. We, we quote that a lot. Pancakes House. We also quote that around my house. I want Pancakes House. <laughs> I, I I think it's the potent combination of Peter Stormari and my hometown that really brings <laughs> Fargo home to me. Uh, no. My one my one uh, Fargo story is the first time I saw it. I saw it in the theater in the first release, and uh, I saw it with whoever I was dating at the time. And uh, you know, we we came out of the theater kind of giggling, it's like <laughs> we don't talk like that. And then we went to Perkins afterwards. Oh, <laughs> and you know, during a pause in the meal, we're hearing conversations at the other tables, and we're going, "Fuck," <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we do talk maybe, like that. Maybe we do. Now, are there other Coen Brothers set in Minnesota? Yeah. Um, is it a Simple Man? Is I, that the one that they just made? I don't. I have a couple seen... it, with Ari Hoptman in it. <gasps> I know, right? Uh, one of one of our local friends, who's an actor and a German professor at the University of Minnesota, a very erudite, erudite. gentleman. Yeah, he's very erudite. erudite and very funny. Had a small part in. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I haven't seen that one. So yeah, I, I can't. I cannot. But speak that one that. is. It was set and filmed here. Wasn't uh, um, blood, as, blood as, simple or a simple plan or what? a simple plan was also uh, filmed here and I believe set here as well. Yeah, I feel like that one was. Yeah. Um, was there another one? No, those those were the main ones. Okay, those so were the main ones. Most uh, most of the time, uh, the Coen Brothers aren't working here in town. Yeah, yeah. The they kind of came back to their roots for Fargo. Yeah. To make fun of them. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Right. That's all right. We love them anyway. And there's a lot to make fun of in Minnesota, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're so passive aggressive. Oi. Kind of. Hey, what was that? I don't in know. in that same vein, we have grumpy old men mm. and grumpier old men, mm. which were filmed. There, there were a couple of locations here in the Twin Cities, but they're mostly they were filmed like in Winona and yeah. uh, you know, kind of along the Mississippi River Valley down you in know, the southern town. end. Yeah, uh, b- beautiful, beautiful locations that they found. There, Minnesota's got some beautiful scenery. It oh, really does. I just recently drove through a lot of it <laughs> on my way to and from the Black Hills. Oh yeah, that I know that corridor well yeah, enough. Yeah, <laughs> we we drove up through Pipestone coming back. Mm, Pipestone's so, lovely. So we took the um, more scenic route. That was a whole lot of when are we going to get to an actual highway? That's what I mostly <laughs> remember about that drive. It's like, holy cow, where's the actual interstate? Why aren't we there yet? <laughs> but Pipestone was really neat. If you ever get the chance, it's a national monument. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yep. And it's very lovely. And very relaxing, and even my six-year-old thought it was neat. So there you go. There's... Yeah, the only national park we have here is Voyageurs, which is the only national park you cannot walk or drive into. You have to boat. <laughs> I did not know this. <laughs> yes, it, it, it is really, really out in the sticks. Where the hell is it? Way up north. It's in the Boundary Waters. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've been to the Boundary Waters. Mm-hmm. I, I now peed. that that is beautiful. I peed in the boundary waters. Many people have. Yeah, yeah.
So, what do we want to talk about next? Okay, well, we never really got into grumpy old men. Okay, so we, we I should, mean... I mean, uh, it, you're not a fan? Uh, really? Really? Uh, you know, it's Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau and uh, Burgess Meredith being foul-mouthed and... Yeah, it's just, it's okay. I don't know, it, it could be that I... I watched it at the wrong time. Okay. Like, like at a time when I'm like, old people, bleh. See, something. see, that's the wrong way to approach it. It's, it, it's, it's old people, you know, trying to revitalize their retirement lives. And, yeah, you know, I mean, and, and, I but, it, and, but it's all, it. it's, it's all about the chemistry between Jack Levin and Walter Matthau and the, <laughs> Jeez. And and as I brought up, Burgess Meredith just given free reign to be absolutely foul. Okay, I need to revisit it. <laughs> there, I'm gonna put it on my put it on the list, Melissa. Yeah, lady ladies and gentlemen, there there if you've never seen Grumpier Grumpy Old Men, um, there is a credit cookie where they basically just took multiple shots of Burgess Meredith improvising foul, foul, foul things. <laughs> <laughs> and and Jack Lemon's in the background going, Jesus! <laughs> and you I can don't see. remember that. Maybe I didn't stay through the whole. Like maybe it was on TV and I didn't watch the whole thing. Looks like he's taking a bone to the dog. <laughs> All right, I will revisit this yeah. movie because yeah. now you've intrigued me. Yeah, it's it's all about Burgess Meredith. When I was in high school, one of the teachers at the rival high school owned the house that Anne Margaret lived in ah. during the movie. So I was like, ah, that's in Fridley. I will, and Anne Margaret, I will always be a fan of her. Yeah. So moving on, uh, we also have. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your teacher owned the house. Did she get like a stipend or something when they filmed mm-hmm. in there? It, it was, there was a location. Like, fee. like how much? Like, did she I don't know. Oh God! Why? I don't why, know. Why I, are I people didn't... so quiet about money? I'm fascinated by this. I didn't like, know that person that well. So, like, how much did they pay you to not live in your house for a while? Because you can't live there, right? Um, I th- it depends how much filming they're doing in there, but you know, you gotta adjust. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, hi, Miss Margaret. I was just coming out of the bathroom. <laughs> well, it's not like they just show up at your house at random times. They <laughs> schedule. Well, it's just sort of like, <laughs> I live here. Oh, hello. Um, do you like my my bathroom reading? I mean, <laughs> that's the sort of thing I envision, right? Well, do they, they, and do they stay? I want to talk to somebody whose house has been used for that purpose because i want to find well, out mine why... has what? <laughs> the room we're in was a spaceship yes but it's slightly <laughs> different it was the room you're in was a spaceship i want to talk to somebody <laughs> whose house was as their house but like did they come in and restage it how much did they restage mm-hmm. like and and like all of the like how do they ask your permission of can we keep this lamp in the shot what about mm-hmm. this and i I want to know. Or, or what often happens is they have one house for the exteriors and one for the interiors. Yes, like, which is always fun when you're like, wait a minute. That doesn't work. Those that- windows weren't there. <laughs> what are you doing? I noticed that, Stanley Kubrick. Anyway, what are we moving on to? Um, we should talk about Diablo Cody. Because mm. she's also from this town. And she has set things in this town. She or has in set this area. And, and or filmed things in this town. So, mm. uh, like, Juno and Jennifer's body were both set 
Is Juno set? I believe Juno is set here. It's just, but it was filmed in Canada. Which which is almost like Minnesota. It's practically the same thing. And then Jennifer's body, you said there, I haven't seen Jennifer's body. Jennifer's body is definitely set in a fairly small town, Minnesota, because Mm -hmm. they reference going to the Devil's Devil's Kettle, the Devil's Kettle, Mm -hmm. which is a state park up north. Yep. It's in Magny State Park. There's a whole chain of state parks along the North Shore of yeah, Superior. basically the entire There's North like Shore. Eight of them. Yeah, is and, a state park of some sort. Yeah, and uh, one of the northernmost ones is very close to the border of Canada. Has this geographical feature called Devil's Kettle, and it's it's literally a waterfall that splits in two, and one half falls like a waterfall normally should, but the other one goes into a pit. And never appears again. They like the the water vanishes, and they don't know where it goes. They keep dropping things down. Scientists and geologists. Yeah. They keep dropping things down it, and like looking, like looking for it elsewhere. Like, well, it probably ends up somewhere in Lake Superior, right? Nope, never found it. Yeah, they have no idea. They've dumped ping pong balls down there, and cars, and radio transmitters, and dye, and. No idea where it goes. Nope. No idea. So in Jennifer's body, mm-hmm. that's uh what's her toes from Mamma Mia and Les Mis is the the good girl. Although the what I like about Jennifer's body is the good girl has sex too. Oh nice. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, the bad girl is some other per- Oh damn it. Seriously. Megan Fox? Uh yeah, the bad girl is Megan Fox and the good girl is Anne Hathaway? No, 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 no. Hmm. The blonde, the blonde. Oh, uh, Cosette. Oh, now I'm going to blank on her name. But anyway, we should move on. But anyway, um, so uh, in Jennifer's body, they live in this small town. They go to a small town bar where there's a band playing, and the whole plot is that the band has made a deal with the devil to that if they sacrifice a virgin, mm-hmm. they can become famous. Okay, and so they. They are hitting on uh, Jennifer, which is Megan Fox, Mm -hmm. who's like clearly the biggest slut in town, which is sort of funny. But the blonde chick, whose name I'm blanking on, Mm -hmm. um, she like goes up to them because it's clear that they're kind of getting a little creepy on Megan, Megan Fox's character on Jennifer. She's like, you leave her alone. She's a virgin. Mm -hmm. And she thinks that telling them she's a virgin means they'll back off. Except she doesn't know that that's exactly what they want to hear. Then she goes to her friend. She's like, I'm trying to get them to back off because it's seriously, you need, this is not cool how they're, how they're dealing with you. And her, and Jennifer looks, a virgin? I'm not even a backdoor virgin. What the hell? (laughs) And there's a scene earlier where um, the good girl has sex with her boyfriend. And so since it's, it's. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've been drinking and I feel all like slurry. (laughs) It's kind of a horror movie. So the idea that the good girl gets to have sex and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it is Diablo Cody. So it's very sex positive. Oh, yeah. So they they kidnap Megan Fox and they sacrifice her. And they're planning to throw her down devil's kettle. Mm -hmm. But things go wrong. They don't actually do that. And there's something in the the ritual that if they don't use a virgin, 
that certain powers start to accrue to uh to Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And so she's dead, but if she doesn't keep killing other people, her body starts to decay and so okay. she starts feeding on men who want her. So that again, it's very nice. Yeah. It's I really liked it. Nice. I really did like the movie a lot. Yeah, you know, I, I I saw just the barest hints of what it was about, and it's like, eh, it's another horror movie, and, you know, as much as I love horror movies, 90% of them don't interest me because I'm very picky about them, but then I saw Diablo Cody, oh, that I'm interested in. It It is actually really interesting, and there's a lot of good female action going on, The and it does come down to the two of them sort of squaring off, because originally the friend is helping her. Mm-hmm. But then, due to various factors, I don't totally want to spoil it for you, the two of them sort of are squaring off against each other. And how that plays out mm. is really kind of fun. You, I think you'd really like it. I, I Put it on your it. list. Oh, I totally will. I Put totally it on your will. list. Because listeners, even though I am moving to Texas, our Xanus and weekends are still totally happening. Oh, we, yeah, we'll, we'll make this happen. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. Yeah, I really do like Diablo Cody's sense of character. Yeah. Like every movie I've seen that she has written, I just love how great those characters are. And I mean, yeah, Juno is kind of almost overtly, overly quirky. And mm-hmm. yet I kind of don't care. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I kind of don't care. I love how self-aware the character of Juno is. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it means that she is doing that almost hipstery thing of i'm so self-aware that i'm not i'm gonna pretend that i don't care but i really do which is so appropriate for a teenager yeah it's a good character and uh also young adult also written by diablo cody uh set here and filmed in minnesota as a rarity yeah and uh you know starring charlize theron and Patton Oswalt, and I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, so I'll just briefly rehash it. Um, it's about a uh, Charlize Theron plays a writer of basically Sweet Valley High novels, and so she's kind of a hack writer, just writing, just cranking out these these cheap teen romances. And uh, she comes back to Minnesota and goes back to the small town where she grew up, kind of wanting to go back to be like the 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 reigning queen who got famous you know she was the popular girl in high school and and you know was the one who left the small town and was is going back to you know basically be that the the famous one and to apparently like try to reseduce the guy she was in love with in high school but you know he's of course moved on and married uh you know somebody in town and and you know of course people just don't fall at her feet like she expects them to and uh, uh Patton Oswalt is uh a gentleman that she knew just very barely in high school who was like a target of bullies and they beat him so badly that he is now crippled and so they wind up meeting in a bar and they're both these fairly dysfunctional people <laughs> and neither of them are uh, what the other person really wants to be dealing with at all. And yet they've kind of fallen in together because, you know, they happen to be the only two 
only people that will talk at each other. <laughs> so, All right, put it on yeah, my list. Yeah, it, it's a fascinating movie. It's it's wonderfully written, and I really like the character of Char- Charlize Theron because it is of she plays a fairly unlikable character but it's a very well layered character and Neat. she's interesting to watch uh and, and yeah it's it's really good stuff so seek it out young adult okay what's next on the list uh we can't ignore prince oh fuck no so prince is also a local boy <laughs> my mother went to high school with him oh my <laughs> she used to, god she used to go to she used to go to parties and prince would be there like uh uh playing music that he put together by looping uh synthesizer sounds and and uh everybody else at the party would be going i don't know what you're doing but you're kind of brilliant uh <laughs> I, I i guess i guess i don't understand but okay and also then, you're super tiny <laughs> yeah he, he's he he is bite-sized he's he he's really is beady. That's why his hair was so big in the eighties. He was trying to make up for it on the shoulder pads. Yeah, in the, uh, the shoulder pads. The Minnesota History Museum over in Saint Paul, they have his purple jacket from Purple Rain, and he's just so itty bitty. Oh my god! You, you know when you go into museums and you look at clothes from like the seventeen hundreds, and people and the clothes are just tiny. It looks like that. <laughs> Like oh, Prince, you're from the 1700s. He's, well, and all the frills, you know, it's really easy to make that connection. Yes. So, yeah, you know, Prince, uh, I know Purple Rain was filmed here, as was Graffiti Bridge. Did he do another one? I think he did another one, and it's completely eluding under me. Under the... Uh, under... <sighs> under the... Blah, 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 blah. Under the... Ch- I want to say under the uh, cherry Under the cherry sky. moon. The cherry moon. Under the a- cherry moon. I don't think I saw that one, though. I saw Purple Rain. I don't remember if I saw Graffiti Bridge or not. Graffiti Bridge isn't very good. What I remember about Purple Rain is when you know your Minneapolis geography, there are a ton of shots in that movie that you're like, what? No. Like, they go out to Lake Minnetonka to bathe in the waters of Lake Minnetonka, and it's like... (laughs) To be cleansed in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Oh, my God. Well, except I think in the movie he even says you have to jump in the lake waters of Lake Minnetonka, and she does, and he goes, this isn't Lake Minnetonka. I think that's actually how it plays out, because if you watch it, you're like, that's not Lake Minnetonka. That's like Cedar Lake or something. Yeah, it's probably, I, I think it's along the Worth Corridor somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere in there. Okay, th- those of you who haven't been to Minnesota, Minnesota is riddled with lakes. There are so many goddamn lakes here. Uh, land, there of, are, land of 10,000 lakes. It's actually more like 14,000. Like yeah. our license plates say land of 10,000 is underestimating. Yeah. There is more. How Minnesotan? <laughs> there is more coastline in Minnesota than any other U.S. state. Even though we're landlocked. Yep. <laughs> because we have so many goddamn lakes. It, it's ridiculous. So and it, it does make um, navigating the Twin Cities quite challenging at times. Oh, yeah. A grid does not work. Because <laughs> there are so many goddamn lakes in the way. There, There's a lake in the way. I have to go over to this narrow pinch point that everybody else is also on. <laughs> but that said, you start to recognize a lake just kind of by feel you're like Mm -hmm. what that's not lake minnetonka that's an inner city lake that's like lake calhoun or something yeah lake minnetonka is easy to recognize though i mean it's got so many of the it's got a really 
distinct coastline. It's very distinct. And it's ginormous. There's also the shot where she like peeks out of a curtain at First Avenue and you're like, what are you at? Where are you at the Eagle Hotel or whatever that is across <laughs> the street? No, no, nobody stays there. Where are you? That's not how that works. It's also fun to watch Purple Rain and see the Twin Cities in 1980s. Yeah. Because the the downtown area has transformed so much since yeah, then. Yeah, in the 1980s, the downtown area, especially around First Avenue. And Block E. Block E. Oh, uh, my God. That was a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Oh, my God, yes. So that whole area was a little bit sketchy. What? Um, of course, since then, they turned Blocky into this monstrosity of Disney proportions. Which then went bankrupt. <laughs> because nobody went there because it was awful. Oh, my God. Yeah. Blah. But in Prince's Day... In Prince's it, in, Day, in, in it was purple, a parking lot. In Purple Rain's... No, actually, I believe by the time... Was the they, Schubert they, still there? Oh, the Schubert was um, actually pretty far from there. Um, the Schubert was moved. Well, yeah. Like it was lifted off its foundation and moved to a completely different Yeah, but it was moved down location, yeah. down next to the Hennepin Center for the yeah. Arts on 6th. Yep. I thought it was in Blocky and they had to move it off Blocky. I don't think it was in Blocky. I think it moved farther than that. Oh. But anyway, uh, Blocky uh, back in the 80s was, <laughs> there was a, sh there were two shinders <laughs> Uh, magazine store there oh was like God, one on right. either side and moby dick's bar which was oh my oh, god oh yeah moby dick's bar was uh, a skeezy place oh. where my uncle jerry worked <laughs> and, oh god and, you had an uncle named jerry i had an uncle named jerry who was a bartender at moby dicks and because he was a bartender at moby moby dicks he became a race car driver that drove their race car which was the only corvette funny car on the circuit at the time but, but your life i know right your life what the hell so on one side of my family i've got ice skating the other one i've got a race car driver hennepin is still a little sketchy oh it's nothing like it was in the 80s oh yeah no it's better but oh, yeah. hennepin like with the like uh oh what was the bar the sky sky view the, oh the 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 uh the skyway the skyway bar which diablo cody yeah diablo Co cody used to be a stripper at the the, the skyway the skyway lounge mm -hmm. and there was the shinders there which mm -hmm. was ultra sketch I, oh I that, that a was a skeezy skeezy place oh my god i went in there a couple of times i was like on the one hand there are books here on the other hand i'm afraid to touch them mm -hmm. yeah um yeah hennepin right then Ugh. and of course first avenue was one block over and one and first avenue which at the time was owned by prince yes and it was an and, old bus station. And if you go in, you can see it. Yeah, it's it's an old Greyhound station. And uh, um, shortly, I believe at the point Prince made Graffiti Bridge, he also owned the Glam Slam. Yes. Which later became the Quest and the Myth and the whatever blah, the hell it is and now. The blah. But uh, not a great venue. But, uh, but I remember it being the Glam Slam and... <laughs> Prince was a big thing around these parts for quite a while. Oh, yeah. Okay, so getting back to the topic at hand, um, some other things that were filmed in Minnesota. We've got Airport. Airport! 1970. Oh, my God! Okay, I revisited this when? When? It was 
It was over a decade ago, but at the Convergence Directors Board Retreat. Uh Every, like, January, Mm -hmm. the seven directors of Convergence, the founding directors, we would get together at the hotel for a weekend and brainstorm and vision and do all those things that leaders do. But there would come a point on Saturday night when we would sit down and we would probably watch a movie together. And one year we watched Airport. Interesting choice. I don't remember why. The why? Well, because it was filmed like a few miles from there. But I did. We. I don't think. I think it had been mentioned, and I know I had seen Airport when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I'm like twenty. No, I'm probably more like thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, and this movie starts, and I'm like, oh my god, this is Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, and of course the other people in the room, of course this is Minneapolis. <laughs> I didn't live in Minneapolis when I first saw this. <laughs> oh my god, that's the airport. Yeah. Is that what it looked like? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's the front of the airport. Oh my god, it's really changed. Yeah. That was a very 70s airport. Oh, it was very 70s. Very 70s. But if you watch airport and you've been to the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport, you can still go, oh, oh, I can see it. Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. see it. It's right there. Yeah. The the main entry to the terminal really hasn't changed much at all. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. It's all the the backside that they've Really expanded. Oh, my God. Once you pass It's actually really nice. Yeah. It's really nice. No, now. it's a nice airport. Yeah. I really do actually like Minneapolis St. Paul. Let's see, we also have Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> You're which just is, too good to be true. Which is about murder and beauty contests. Can't take my eyes <laughs> off of you. <laughs> Keep talking. And uh uh the thing I remember most, we need to tell this story. Okay, You'd be it, like it's Chris to touch. Chris Bellis worked on the movie for special effects, and he made. I want to hold you so much. <laughs> Didn't he make the the body the 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 charred body with the yes? And didn't he bring that to Convergence <laughs> one year? So it's I don't of- remember. I don't remember if it was that body or. Was it? He called it grandma. He called it grandma. It was. It was either that body or something very similar. But anyway, Chris, makeup artist Chris Ballas, who is a local makeup artist who's worked on everything from like Batman films to Drop Dead Gorgeous he, to Mystery Mystery Science Theater Mystery 3000. Science Three Theater Three Thousand. And um oh, and he did that one with the knockoff Heather Graham where they got pregnant. I forget. Oh, I can't remember what that anyway, is. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I so, remember that because he talked about how the girl got, the girl, the character was supposed to be pregnant and how he, his wife had just been pregnant. And he's mm-hmm. like, he really made it really realistic. And when he showed it to the producer and director, they're like, Ugh, no. And he's like, well, this is what it really looks like. We don't care. That's ugly. Uh, Which, fuck you. That's what I have to say about that because I had a kid. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so back to Drop Dead Gorgeous and Chris Ballas. He had made this full body person. A, a fake person. A fake so person. So a full size fake person dummy. Yeah. And a scary looking. Very, very scary. scary looking, and, and and he brought it to Convergence to show off his work. He he also has he was a guest of honor that year. Yeah, and he he also brought like a bust of Arnold Schwarzenegger that was like used for makeup tests on the the Batman. And he was showing this in the art movie. show and at some of his panels. Yeah. And so it was Sunday. He had to get the body out of art show because art show was closing. Mm-hmm. 
And so he brought the body back up to his hotel room. Mm-hmm. And uh, as he carried it into the room, Chris Ballas, we should look up a picture and put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Chris- because Chris looks like a very devilish person. Oh, he, he, he's got the devil in him. He really he does. He really does. He does. So he, he, he brings this body into his hotel room and he just puts it in the chair, you know, sitting up in the chair. Like Cause a, it's a he, dummy. And where yeah. are you going to score store a dummy? You're like, well, yeah. you know what? Put it in a chair. So he puts it in the chair and uh, his liaison who works on convergence, David Justin was yes. there. So the, who, who looks very much like Chris Ballas, oddly <laughs> enough. So the two of them are in the, the room, putting this body in the chair and they're about to leave to get some food. And David goes to Chris, um, do you want to tell the staff that the body's in here? The and dummy the body dummy is, in is sitting in a chair. <laughs> right here. And, right and, here, just sitting in a chair, looking like a person. And Chris kind of looks at it and he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> so they go out to lunch. And they go out to and lunch. They back, and they come back. And they're, the, the door is open. The door is open because the cleaning lady the is cleaning in there. The cleaning lady is in there. And the cleaning lady, bless and, her heart, I, I, this, poor, this poor woman still works at the hotel, I think. Probably. The, but, the Sheraton, like a lot of big hotels, employs a lot of immigrants mm-hmm. and, you know, people who... Um, English probably isn't their first language. Yeah, and it's um, definitely I have not been, I have had the same... I have had the same housekeeping person for like the last dozen years Mm -hmm. in my room at Convergence. Her name is Kim. She is beautiful and delightful. She refuses to take vacations over Convergence (laughs) weekend because, as she says, it's the only time I get to see you. Oh. Yes. And she takes a picture of Teddy every year and keeps them on her phone so she can like go, look, this is what she looked like this year. (laughs) This is what she looked like this year. She's a wonderful person. She's so beautiful. So anyway. So anyway, one the of point the is, one of the other long-standing housekeepers is in who the room. Is probably uh, Vietnamese or Laos yeah, or Cambodian. Yeah. yeah, Kim is Cambodian. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> she has a a fairly heavy Asian accent, which is important to the story. We're not making fun of her. Yeah. This is how this, this is her accent. So they <laughs> walk into they the door is open. The housekeepers in there, and Chris and David walk into the room. And she's she's there, and she starts yelling at Chris. <laughs> you very bad man. You you a bad man. You bad bad very bad I, man. I come in, and and I think she asleep, and so I try to wake her up, and then I think she's dead. <laughs> you bad man. I touch her. I touch her. She fall over. She not alive. She dummy. You bad man. Oh God. And she just chewed him out. She, oh, my God. Oh, my God. We heard this story from David, corroborated by Chris Ballas. Oh. And David thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever seen to see Chris Ballas chewed out by this tiny little Asian woman yelling at him about this dummy in a chair. Oh, my God. Rightfully so. And so, there, that's a good story for Drop Dead Gorgeous. If you've never seen Drop Dead Gorgeous. It, it is funny. It really funny, is. Funny, funny, funny. It's got Kirsten Dunst. 
It's got Kirstie Alley. Kirstie right? Alley. It's got Ellen Barkin. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got um oh nu- nuclear nuclear um, <laughs> scientist. What's her name? Oh 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 <laughs> from oh from uh, Stormship oh. Troopers too. Stormship Troopers. Stormship Troopers from <laughs> Christmas Jones. Um, Christmas Jones. God damn it! What's um, her name? Um, Oh God! I'm uh, just Chicky Poo. Um, Jesus Christ! I can't handle uh, it. Yeah, she's in it anyway. Um, hold on, I got this. We've got to look up. Oh my! Anyway, God. it's a great cast of funny ladies. Starship Troopers. I have been. just uh, just look up Drop Dead Gorgeous. Denise Richards. Denise Richards. Oh my God! And Kirstie Alley. Okay, so Kirsten Dunst is wanting to win this beauty pageant and but she's trailer trash and her mom is ellen barkin who the trailer catches on fire chins she, she ends up with a beer can welded to her hand by fire i remember that part and um and then denise richards is her main competitor Denise Richards' mom is Kirstie Alley, and they will stop at nothing to win. But Kier- but Kirsten Dunst actually has talent, and yeah, and it play it's totally a satire of small town beauty pageants and the whole thing, and the the talent number that Denise Richards does is <laughs> oh my god, you really need to see it. Ha! Yeah, just go watch it. it <sighs> it's not great, but it is very, very good. Yeah, yeah, it is a lot of fun. What? And, what else? Uh, the Good Son was partly filmed here. Yeah, you know who's in that? Elijah Wood. He's so tiny and adorable. He's he's, he's bite sized. He, even now. <laughs> Even now, he's very, very tiny and adorable, but, you know, even more so then. It's, like, miniature. Because, uh... Like, smaller than Hobbit. Is he brothers with uh, Macaulay Culkin? Macaulay Culkin, like, they're they're cousins or something, and... It's just a retelling of the bad seed. Yeah, and uh, Macaulay Culkin is evil. 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 Like, seriously, the parents not noticing how evil he is is a little bit of a problem. Oh, yeah, it's very arch. But it is kind of fun watching Macaulay Culkin being evil. Evil, Especially if you just watched, like, Home Alone, where all he does is slap his face and be adorable. (laughs) Burr. Burr. So, also filmed here, Ice Castles. <laughs> Lynn Holly Johnson. Yeah, yeah. And Robbie Benson, voice of the beast in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I love that you know that. Well, who doesn't know. know that? I'm sorry. Everybody knows that, right? There there's actually a lot of ice skating movies that were either set or filmed here. Oddly enough, given our environment. Given our environment, the fact that it's winter most of the year. Hey, by the way, I'm moving to Texas and there's one reason why. Yeah. Um, but Ice Castles. Okay, I yeah, actually... So, we, so we've got... Have you mm-hmm. seen it? No, no, I haven't. You haven't? No, I've never seen Ice Castles. I'm, mm, I don't know if we should put it on the list because it's not like it's really iconic or that, great. That's kind of what I've heard, which is kind of why but, I haven't. I mean, it's kind of... It's pretty 70s. It's okay. All right, so Lynn Holly Johnson is 16 years old. She competes as an ice skater. She gets noticed because she's really, really good. Um, and uh, Is there actual ice skating in it? Yes. Uh, unlike the cutting edge? Yes. <laughs> Lynn Holly Johnson was actually a, a figure skater. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember that. And uh, a really famous coach sees her and, and is like, 
uh, she's great. How old is she though? She's 16. She's too old. I won't bother. And, and finally the coach takes her. She makes it big. She goes to the Olympics. She wins the gold medal. Uh, her boyfriend, Robbie Benson, is on the hockey team, but they start having a falling out because she's becoming so popular. And and there's this other man that likes her and maybe she wants to be with that man, but uh, she doesn't know what to do. And she goes out figure skating during this big famous Hollywood party. And she's like, uh, I don't really fit in. I don't know who I am. And she goes out to the rink that's out there like mm -hmm. they are in famous hotels, whatever. And she's skating and to clear her head and she has an accident. She falls and she hits her head and now, no. she's, now she's blind. <gasps> ah, oh. Nobody wants to do anything with her. But Robbie Benson comes and he saves her and he's like, you could still skate even though you're blind. And she relearns how to skate and she goes back to competing. And in her first competition, uh, she competes, she does really well, but then, oh, 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 nobody knows she's blind, but then they're throwing <laughs> roses. Nobody, they're trying to pretend she's not blind. Like maybe she, yeah. it cleared up. They're throwing roses like they do. And she trips over them. And that's how everybody's like, oh, she's oh. actually blind. Oh. oh, no, it's not great. <laughs> it's that's so 70s so 70s melodrama it really is 70s melodrama but it's got uh nah it's got this theme from ice castles which is you know a pretty iconic song from the mm -hmm. 70s and what's really notable if you know your figure skating is that there's this point where they're all all the all the people who are being coached by the same person they're like uh she thinks she's so great but she doesn't have a triple and and Lynn Holly Johnson's character is like, she doesn't have a triple? No. Why? Well, I've got a triple. Nuh-uh, you don't. <laughs> and she goes out and she does a triple. And then she gets yelled at by her coach for doing some something so reckless. Okay, pretty much every figure skater right now has a triple. Oh, yeah. It, it's the arms race of, yeah. of sports. Ladies don't do triple axles, but they do triples. Mm -hmm. Right. A, a, a woman doing a triple axle is still pretty unusual, mm -hmm. but ladies do triple other triples all the goddamn time. Mm -hmm. Triple toe loops, triple sow cow. Triple sow cow is the most common. Triple toe loop after that. Uh, triple flips are less common. Hi, I know about figure skating. How are you? <laughs> There's also the Mighty Ducks. Yes. Which was literally filmed a couple blocks away from where we are right now. Because the New Hope Ice Arena is right over there. Is it? Yeah. It's I, like, I, I'm pointing, not that that helps our dear listeners, but it's like in that direction. Okay, yeah. Like across Douglas I thought and it was. Up. I thought it was up on University, but it was at New Hope? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was at New, New Hope. Because, you know, the University one closed down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, the, it was filmed at New Hope. Okay. So, yeah, that's... I've never seen the Mighty Ducks. <sighs> I fear I sound very drunk. I am only slightly tipsy, but I sound incredibly drunk. I think you're doing fine. Thank you for thank you for supporting me, Melissa. So we also have Jingle All the Way. Never seen it. Which I also haven't seen. Okay, but it was but shot it, in the fucking Mall of America with yeah. Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger. Yeah, so it, it wasn't... <sighs> I feel like we know people who were extras in it. I, I think we probably do, but I've... I've so erased that era of the Mall of America out of my brain. <laughs> oh, God. When the Mall of America was a thing. Yeah. And and it still kind of is for people who don't live here. 
people who live here of oh god you avoid yeah. going to the mall yeah. of america the, the only time i go to mall of america is when i need shoes because there's a dsw warehouse there now speaking of malls mall rats which is kevin smith kevin smith i don't know how he wound up here to make a movie I, I really because don't. there were no other there was it was the only mall in America that hadn't yet closed that was mostly vacant, and well yeah this was at the Eden Prairie Mall Eden Prairie yep and and the which has since been hugely revitalized yeah. and is now quite popular it helps that there's been more white flight out to the suburbs yeah but the 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 Eden Prairie Mall um it now looks like just about any other mall right now. But back when they filmed Mallrats, it it was this huge throwback to the eighties, and it still looked like that when I worked at when you and I both worked at GE yes. in the nineties. It I mean it it was like wow this place was designed in nineteen eighty four, and my hasn't god. changed since. Oh my god, it was amazing. So when 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 you watch Mallrats, keep that in mind because this place had been like that for a very long time when they filmed it there, and when they filmed there. This place was empty. Nobody went there. Like I, I how loved, this mall survived is a wonderment. I loved Christmas shopping there because nobody would th- go there. There would be like five stores open. They had things that I needed and I could walk in there and I'd only see four other human beings. It was perfect. <laughs> I think Mallrats is one of Kevin Smith's best films i agree i think mall rats is very underappreciated well everybody loves clerks but clerks is a bit rough it is but i mean it, it's a first feature and exactly it, it's it, his it, first feature it, yeah film. you know the the pacing's a little wonky mall you know, rats is like well what else what else has he done uh he has done dogma Yep. And he did, well, Red State and, and Jersey Girl. Jersey Girl. And I'm missing a couple of really big ones. I, um, Chasing script, Amy. That's the one we're Chasing Amy is brilliant. The, I would say that. The, the scripts are, at least there are flashes of brilliance in the scripts always. But, but Mallrats, but I think, Mallrats. hangs together the like the best, right up there with Chasing Amy. Chasing, because Mallrats is more just. The movie that you're expecting, Chasing Amy, gets a little verklempt. Yeah, it gets, it gets a little verklempt, but, you know, I have a special love in my heart for Chasing Amy just because I've worked in the comics industry and there's a lot of truth in that thing. Yes. But Mallrats, I mean, it, it is what it is and it is unabashedly what it is. It, it is a... But it, it a, holds a, together... It is well-constructed altogether. Like, dogma is a bit of a mess. Yeah, do- for it, but it's ambitious, which I give it credit for. But Mallrats is meant to be a teen comedy romp, and that is exactly what it is. And mm-hmm. that it, it does that very well. He fucked her in an uncomfortable place. Back of a Volkswagen? <laughs> Back of a VW Bug? <laughs> I like that running gag. Oh, that was a good one. But yeah, it um so it was all filmed in this mall which now doesn't exist in the form that it used to. Sadly, because it would be awesome if it remained that way <laughs> nowadays. But uh did you know that uh Gordon Smooter, one of our prior guests of this podcast, worked on Mallrats? <gasps> really? He built the Batarang gun. Oh! That made me happy, Smooty. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, Mr. Smooter. Mr. Smooter worked on Mallrats. Oh, that's delightful. Also, dear listeners, um, if you have not heard the commentary track on the Mallrats DVD, it's worth a listen. Because they basically got everybody together that they could and crammed them all into a hotel room to to uh, record this uh, commentary track. And you can tell Jason Mewes is getting progressively altered <laughs> through the course of the recording to the point where he's laying on the floor <laughs> saying random things. Oh, <laughs> we all remember the story from Dogma where Kevin Smith is like, dude, you've got to actually like be legit. We've got people like like Alan Rickman showing up. You got to not mm-hmm. embarrass me. And Jason Mewes memorized. He's like, he's like, you got to know your lines. So Jason Mewes memorized the script. The whole, whole thing. <laughs> when Kevin Smith found out, he's like, what, really? And he tested him. He's like, try me out. Jason Mewes knew the entire script front to back. <laughs> I kind of love that. For the record, I think the best thing that Kevin Smith has ever, ever, ever done, Clerks animated series, which is goddamn brilliant. It's a fair, it's a fair point. Yeah. It's three hours of sheer brilliance. All right, moving on. We've got, we we should talk about Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yes. Because there was a movie. There was a movie. There was also a show for many years. For decades. Luck be a lizard tonight. <laughs> Luck be a lizard tonight. Yeah, Mystery Science Theater 3000 was homegrown in Hopkins, Minnesota. Which is a few miles south of here, like 10 miles south, 12 miles south, something like that. And it's, you know, Joel Hodgson basically just hammered together this set out of random junk and and, and um, started broadcasting on local television, on the UHF channels. <laughs> um, baby car seats and and bowling pins and, yeah. and gumball machines. Yeah, whatever he could find. I, I remember Joel Hodgson, when I was a kid, I remember seeing Joel Hodgson pop up on public uh, a public television doing stand-up comedy uh-huh uh because he was a prop comedian yes he was a very funny one yes you know he was. you know of course you know i was i was a kid which means he was extra funny back then yeah he always had this wonderful deadpan delivery and he'd bring on the props and then he started doing this ca- not cable access but it was uhf channel so i used to sit on the floor of my 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 dad's place on Sunday mornings, I think it was, watching this TV show. I, it happens that I tuned in during uh, what is now known as season zero of Mystery Science Theater 3000, because I just kind of stumbled across it one day and went, ooh, Gamera! Because, you know, what What nine-year-old doesn't love Gamera? And uh, so, yeah, I got hooked at a very early age, just by happenstance. It's like, what is this guy doing? And there are people talking back at the screen. This is brilliant. So, yeah, that happened for many, many years. And, of course, they were picked up by Comedy Central and it went national. And eventually there was a movie. And, and it was friend, all made here. And our friend Lori Richardson got to tour their, yep. their studio. And I think Bill Steitler, uh, who we haven't had on the podcast yet, but we should at some point. Mm. Um, wasn't he like a muckety muck in the fan club or something like that or he, he was a huge fan uh but yeah you know we're 
you know, at this point now in my life, I've done PowerPoint karaoke shows with Trace Beaulieu and, and Bill Corbett and yep. Kevin Murphy, which means, you know, if I had traveled back in time and told this to my young self, you know, my young self's head would explode. And oh, then, my God, what? oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. You've done shows with Crow T Robot. Oh my God. So there I was in my early 20s in Springfield, Missouri. Mm-hmm. It was one of those weird things where my boyfriend was going to college in Springfield when I lived in Kansas City. So one Christmas break, I went down to stay with him. We ended up at a friend's house and uh, we were playing games. And then we turned on the TV and there was Mystery Science Theater 3000. And I think I had heard of it. Mm -hmm. But this episode caught me because they made two musical theater references in the same movie. <laughs> I was like, I love this show. They made a Guys and Dolls reference and a Kismet reference. Oh, yeah. Because it was one of those movies where they land on a dinosaur planet, but all the dinosaurs are actually just lizards on a model. But the astronauts are pretending that they're dinosaurs. So there was the Luck Be a Lizard reference, which I <laughs> already sang. But there was, uh, take my hand, I'm a stranger with parasites. <laughs> which I believe Crow T. Robot said, and I burst out laughing. Everybody else in the room was like, either didn't get it or something. I'm like, I can't handle you people not knowing that reference. That was awesome. <laughs> I, 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 loved, experience. I love that even when they went national, they still threw in local jokes. You know, they always threw in so many jokes that, you know, it, if not all of them landed, it didn't really matter. And, you know, even when they were on Comedy Central, they were still referencing, like, the uh, the guy out at Renaissance Festival who made leather mugs. <laughs> Mac. Mac. We know it's Mac. It's Mac. Nobody outside of Minnesota knows it's Mac. The guy at Renaissance Festival who makes the leather mugs is Mac. Well, made. Made. He died. Mm. It's true. It's very sad. Very sad. He was awesome. So anyway, here's another homegrown entertainment Prairie Home Companion. Ah, uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, you know, I haven't either. Honestly, I haven't seen the movie. Because here's, here's the ugly truth. You don't like Altman? I don't like Garrison Keillor. You know what? This this is interesting to me. So many people don't like Garrison Keillor. I think he's a smug fucking bastard. Oh, he is. Also, he insists on singing. Mm. And I wish to Christ he'd stop. He's a terrible singer. And in a lot of ways, he's a terrible broadcaster because he breathes into the microphone. He... <laughs> Also, yeah. he thinks he's very, very funny. You can tell he thinks he's really witty. Mm -hmm. And mm, yeah. So anyway, there's a movie of Harry uh, Harry Home Companion. <laughs> Harry, Harry, Harry Home Companion. Companion. Okay, I'm going to make a werewolf movie set in Minnesota called Harry Home Companion. <laughs> There we go. That's what has come out of this episode. He's going to be the most passive-aggressive werewolf ever. <laughs> well, I thought I would eat you, but I don't know. Maybe if you if you don't want me to, I won't. All right, so moving on. Neither of us have seen Untamed Heart, right? Nope. All right, so we won't talk about Was Untamed Heart. Was that the Heart. one with Jack Nicholson Light, Christian Slater? I think it might be. And uh, uh, what's her what's toes? her nose? Yeah, I don't remember much about it because I haven't seen it. Christian Slater, Marissa Tomei, I well win. Well done. Well done. Yeah, I haven't seen I, it, but well, I remember. What's a year on that since you just had it pulled up? Well, yeah, but I'm because super I, quick I, at turning shit off because I, I feel like 
1993. Because I feel like right around that time, maybe a couple years later, there was another Minnesota movie that came along that I will talk about. Feeling Minnesota. Uh... And... <laughs> which is Keanu Reeves. And, oh, that's right. Yeah. And um, Dan Aykroyd as a villain. And, um, oh, the, the woman is, um, 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 from, uh, something about Mary. Something about Mary that's, ah! I know, both of us, right? Oh, God. She, she was in the mask. Yes, her. But anyway, so Feeling Minnesota is, um, you know, better than I expected it to be. And it's, a um, a, a story about Keanu Reeves, it, it, goodness i haven't seen this in a long time but keanu reeves shows up at a wedding of a friend of his and meets cameron diaz cameron diaz and meets cameron diaz who's the bride and they run off together you know like he he's not the groom but they run off together anyway and uh there's there's crime involved and dan Aykroyd's a villain but it was uh actually filmed right around town like it was filmed up in crystal and I think there were a couple of locations in Hopkins, but it's um, actually fairly decent. It's uh, got some interesting plot twists in it. And um, my relationship to that movie was I was living in Minneapolis at the time, Minneapolis proper, with my boyfriend at the time and a roommate named Dave Potter. And Dave Potter was working you lived on with Dave Potter. I lived with Dave Potter for a couple of years. I did not know this. Yeah, he owned the house that uh, Peter and I lived in. Peter? Uh, uh, Peter Eckert. I don't know Peter. He, but I he's know also Dave, a festy. I know Dave Potter. That's so odd to me. I know. So uh, Dave Potter worked on Feeling Minnesota. He was he was like a... I can't remember what he was doing. He was, he was doing kind of general stagehand sort of stuff around the set. But anyway, he'd come home every day with stories from... Ah! from working on the set the one story i remember was um one day they were filming the scene where dan Aykroyd takes uh keanu reeves's head and face plants him into a car hood uh-huh. and apparently keanu reeves kept messing up the take so dan Aykroyd kept doing this head slamming thing over and over again and this was kind of at the time when keanu reeves really was the butt of all jokes so it was very amusing at the time. And it's no longer that amusing because now we know that Keanu Reeves is kind of a sweet human being. And he's he kind of amazing and fantastic. He really kind of is. But at the time, he kind of was a joke. And then the Matrix happened and everything started to change. Everything changed. Mm-hmm. Then our whole world changed. What? So I looked up Untamed Heart. It also had Rosie Perez. Huh? Hey, Rosie Perez. Hooray. And so Marissa Tomei gets attacked but christian slater saves her but then he finds out he has a diseased heart oh that's right but he doesn't want to uh get a heart transplant because the love he feels for marissa is contained in his damaged heart or something this is all from the plot summary i haven't watched this can i stab people in the head you may also I think I saw like the last part of this movie, but now I can't remember if does he die or what? Because it's like, oh, tragedy strikes. That's all bullshit. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> and uh, as my boyfriend was telling me before we came down here to record, catch me if you can. The was, not was Steven here. Spielberg, not the Spielberg one. 
This was apparently made in 1989 by Stephen Summers, who was the guy who made the Mummy films. Before he made the Mummy films. Before he made the Mummy films. But probably demonstrating the talent that he used on the Mummy films. <laughs> but apparently he, uh, Stephen Summers is a local boy, too. Oh, really? Yeah, which is why he made a movie in St. Cloud. Huh, I did not know that. Yeah, so it's, uh, I haven't seen the movie, but, you know, according to the Internet Movie Database, it's a, a film about teenagers who hold an illegal street race and gamble upon it in order to raise money to prevent their school from closing. So, you know. So it's kind of like the Blues Brothers. So it's kind of like the Blues, Only... Blues, Blues Brothers with more street racing and probably a lower budget. And in St. Cloud. And, and M. Emmett Walsh. Well, that's Which something. Is all right. Which that's is all something. Right. You got something going for you, mm -hmm. right? You get at least one big name, biggish. <laughs> okay, you get one name that people might recognize if they look. Yeah. 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 And of course, you know, we have our homeboy, uh, Al Franken. Yes. Who has written many comedy movies. Uh, including Stuart Saves His Family, which apparently was set here. <laughs> did you see this? I did not see this. Oh, I'm Al, just... Al Franken. I like him better as a senator than a comedian. He's a fantastic senator. He really is. I like him very much as a senator. But yeah, I think, uh, I think that covers pretty much everything. Minnesota is pretty iconic. Yeah. I mean, because, let's face it, Chicago is like New York light. Yeah. Right. So it's hard to really define Chicago, except for like adventures in babysitting or the mm -hmm. Blues Brothers. Yeah. Um, well, and well, gangsters. I, yeah. I think I think I think uh, Chicago has a special place for corruption. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when you're talking Midwest. Yeah. Like th there's no place in Iowa that anybody would care about. Um, Field of dreams. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, that could happen in Nebraska, too. And, and it's too bad. You know, Des Moines is actually pretty nice. If you say so. That's um, all right. Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska. Oh, the Dakotas. But the, <laughs> there ain't nothing out in the Dakotas until you get to the Black Hills. But there's something about Minnesota. Mm -hmm. It is, it's that Minnesota Nice brand, mm -hmm. so you can play off of that. It's the very Nordic culture, so you can play off of that. Um it's the arts culture, right? That you can yeah, get there, off on. There is a ridiculous arts culture in this state. And I honestly don't know how it got fostered, but we, as it's often said, there are more theater seats in this town per capita than any other city. It's true. In the United States, like yeah. including New York. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. There, There is a ridiculous amount of theater. There's a lot of art going on here. Theater and art and dance and, oh, God, and, like, graphic arts, everything. everything there, the, here. There's a remarkable music scene here. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's true. Minneapolis, yeah. Minnesota, the Twin Cities, St. Paul, not to leave them out, although they're not as great. Oh, I said it! <laughs> St. Paul closes on Sundays, so oh, that's why. Seriously, like 5 p.m. on Fridays, they they release the tumbleweeds and the roving pack of dogs. They roll up the sidewalks and stow them away. <laughs> oh, God. It happens even on weeknights to a certain extent. Like, around about 6 or 7, you're downtown St. Paul. You're like, where'd the people go? Mm -hmm. did, did the apocalypse happen and nobody told me? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Minnesota, 
we're in a lot of movies. Yeah. Good for us. Yeah, and, and part of the reason uh, is because in the 90s, we actually had some tax major tax breaks for films to come in and make stuff, which is why... And we had oh. a lot of empty property, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's uh that is a short story of our film industry. <laughs> Go us. All right. Yay. Do we have any listener questions? No, we haven't. Why aren't you people while. answering our questions? I feel like maybe we sh- we need to revitalize our questions. I agree. I think it's time. We've been doing this over a year. We yeah. should revamp the questions. We'll have to have a a an, second set. An offline discussion about that. We'll do that. But for the moment, Melissa do you have a Pleasure Dome recommendation for this week? I do. Let's see if I can remember what it is. Oh, yes. I remember what it is. Okay, so um, <laughs> as of today, uh, which means you're you're going to hear this a couple months out or something like yeah. that. I don't know when, when this episode's going out. But Pedicab Driver is a Golden Harvest martial arts movie, which is a lot of fun. And uh, there are a bunch of other wonderful Golden Harvest movies that just came on to Warner Archives. Nice. Yeah. So a bunch, if you like martial arts movies, particularly of like the 80s to 90s Golden Harvest milieu, Warner Archives is apparently taking these movies and giving them full on high definition prints oh nice and then putting them on streaming that's fantastic so if you have the warner archive channel so you can watch stuff or presumably you can probably order them on disc now you now can have high definition golden harvest films of a certain era that is pretty terrific Mm mm-hmm that's pretty terrific. Yeah, the ones I see specifically listed here are Downtown Torpedoes, Big Bullet, The Blade, Blade of Fury, and uh, oh, Pedicab Driver, and Terracotta Warrior. Terracotta Warrior. I know, right? <laughs> I feel like Terracotta Warrior is the name of my Carol King cover band. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm funny. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So what's your pick? My Pleasure Dome recommendation is Focus. Hmm. This is a movie starring Will Smith. I think it might be on streaming now, but at any rate, it came out recently. Okay. It came out recently, but it came and it went and and like I saw a trailer recently and the trailer looked interesting, but meh, but then it looked like it was going to go like, oh, things go south and bad things happen to bad people. It's not the movie at all. Okay. Don't watch the trailer. Okay. Don't watch the trailer. The trailer gives it the wrong vibe. This is a con man movie. Nice. Exactly. Excellent. Exactly. It's a con man movie. And Will Smith plays a con man exceedingly well. There's a great scene. There's a a young woman Mm -hmm. uh, played by the same woman who is the bimbo in Wolf of Wall Street, the bimbo wife. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's actually quite likable and and really charismatic. She's in this. a fantastic performer. I can't yeah. I can't remember the actress's name, but she's a, a she's, wonderful actress. She she draws the eye, and yeah. she's very very pretty. So she tries to pull a con on Will Smith, and he's like, "Yeah, you 
yeah, you did that wrong. <laughs> she's like, how did you know? And he's like, I was on to you from the moment I saw you because of this, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, why'd you let it play out? And he's like, well, why not? <laughs> well, you know, why not? And then she's like, teach me, teach me, teach me. And there's a great scene where he's like, where, and that's where the name comes from, Focus. Yeah. Although the name is, they reference it there, but it never comes back. It's kind of, there are things about it that are weak. Okay. Right. It's not a great film, but it is actually quite fun. And okay. it's got Will Smith and Will Smith is so fucking likable, mm-hmm. especially when he's not trying to be like, oh, and that what was that horrible movie he made with his son where they were on, on the Ooh. planet? Yeah. After Earth. Yeah. Nobody wanted to watch that. Oh. Nobody wanted to watch that. But in this one, he's being likable and charming. And there's a great scene where she's like, teach me. And he goes, OK, it's all about focus and how you control somebody else's focus and making sure you maintain your own and he's basically he's um he's palming all of her stuff repeatedly as he's talking to her and then showing her like i just drew your attention over here and in the process look what i have she's like what the fuck Mm -hmm. okay and look now i have your ring what the hell look now i have your watch what the hell it's a great scene (laughs) and so you see them pull con after con you see how they escalate and then, oh, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to give it away. Okay. I recommend this movie. I really enjoyed it. It was delightful. Margot Robbie. Is That's the, her name. Is yes. the actress. So yes. I do recommend it. I feel like if it's not on streaming, it will be soon. At the very least, I know it's on Apple Apple iTunes for your yeah. rent. Yeah. The the timing's about right. Yeah. 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 So I, I recommend that. Excellent. Like Excellent. So, listeners, this has been another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. We are coming to the end of the episodes that Melissa and I recorded while in the same physical location. These are becoming increasingly bittersweet. But, um, but hey, <laughs> there, the there will wine... be there will be more. And and you, who knows, Wendy? This might go up after one of the ones that we record remotely. <laughs> this is just the way things go. With this, this is podcast. the way things go with this podcast. Yeah, so, but the wine is sweet. Your basement is as always basementy and and this basement's going away too because we're both moving right now it's true it's so crazy <laughs> ah! i am moving like a mile away and wendy is moving 1178 miles i'm moving away. literally a nation away yes it's true this is going to become a cross american trans-american trans-american podcast yes 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 and you and and so help me god we will go to new orleans together oh that's gonna happen (laughs) and then we'll do a podcast and it will be (laughs) epically drunk we're in new orleans people yeah beignets oh beignets are so good oh god i know the pastries. That's why, I mean, yeah, the alcohol in New Orleans, but the pastries, the food. The food. Oh. The seafood. The oh. seafood. Oh, I'm seriously mouth-watering right okay, now. Okay, anyway, anyway. Anyway, Close anyway. it, close it, close These it. These are future adventures. Bring future us home. Adventures. Bring, Bring us home. This has been another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I have been one of your co-hosts, Wendy. This, as always, is my co-host. Melissa. And we have, as always, loved talking to you about movies. So we'll talk at you again next week. Thank you. Yay. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at XanaduCinema.com. 
follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Ha <laughs> <laughs>